This is Meg Tilton at the 8 Cow Life, and you are listening to a special episode of A Cup of Joel, where we talk this week about how God is a first watch God. This is the 8 Cow Life, a place where LDS women, and really any woman, can come to learn how every aspect of their life is beautiful and has purpose. A place to help you realize how important you are and that this place we call Earth just wouldn't be the same without you. So sit back and take a breather in that unfolded laundry and let's chat for a moment about your amazing life. Okay, welcome back to the podcast this week. Joel, how are you doing there in North Carolina? Well, hello, hello. I want to say spring has sprung, yet it continues to be on the cold side for an April for this beautiful state. But life is good here. How about you? It's good. It's crazy. We're just super busy. And the same is true here. I think we're going to slowly start warming up, but I'm not complaining because I don't really love the 112 temperature. So that can hold off as long as it wants. So... I bet life is busy. It's it's April. It's the end of the school year. You've got five kids. Not all of them are in school, but still all the yes. end of year activities and parties. And if your kids yes. do sports, there's end of season stuff. Yes. You're, yeah. It's, you're a hopping lady, I'm sure. It's crazy. We have uh, two field trips this week, and then we're going to go out of town for a wedding. And then... <laughs> It's like just boom, boom, boom after that. I already have my entire summer planned out before my kids go back to school. And we think we only have two weeks of that where we don't have anything going on. And one of those weeks is the 4th of July. So there will be stuff going on that week. It's just that we don't have a camp or we're not going anywhere or something like that. So Is this a good thing or not such a good thing that Uh, your summer is already booked? I guess time will tell. (laughs) I think for my kids, it's good. They need to be busy. They need to be active, but it's not like they're all active at the same time. So. Well, good. Listen, I want to start our conversation today talking about general conference. Yes, I agree. What in the world? That (laughs) tornado that came out of uh, Salt Lake City and wrecked havoc in all of our lives. What did you think? My predictions were totally wrong, right? <laughs> which is gr- good. It means I'm not yeah. in charge, which nobody wants me in charge. And yes. Um, yes. so I have to confess, though, Joel, I didn't hear very much of General Conference because I had the stomach flu. So I got it like at the beginning of the second session on Saturday. And so I basically slept through that session and then I slept through all of Sunday. So. It was like, I really didn't hear anything so much so that when somebody was like, can you believe we have seven new temples? I'm like, when did that happen? Like, I totally missed it. (laughs) So, but I've gone back and I knew about all the big changes, like the, uh, you know, the combining of the elders quorums and the high priests and then the doing away with the visiting teaching and home teaching. What did you think? Well, let's talk about several of these changes one at a time. Number one, the uh, the combining of the priesthood quorums, I think, is a wonderful, wonderful idea. In far too many wards, there wasn't enough men's strength to fully staff a high priest group and an elders quorum group. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey, why do we need two women, men groups and one women's group anyway? Now, it, it just makes more logical sense and logistical sense. One male, one female, and let's all hold hands and sing kumbaya. So uh, I, that, that one just, just makes sense galore. Uh, number two change that women cannot appreciate uh, is the elimination of priesthood executive committee meeting. <laughs> Hands down, the most useless meeting I have ever attended. And I've attended probably 300 of those things. <laughs> I was, I stood up and applauded when he said, we're done with that meeting. Nice. Perhaps I've only been in Bishop Bricks that ran that meeting poorly, mm-hmm. but that meeting was always a carbon copy of Bishopric meeting. Mm-hmm. It's 90% the same people and 100% the same opinions on the same topics. Mm-hmm. So shame on us for not implementing the vision correctly. But you know what? I guess shame on everybody because they would not have killed it if it was working. Right. Mm-hmm. But be that as it may. Let's talk about this, this uh, home teaching change. Mm-hmm. It's more of a home teaching change than a visiting teaching change, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. I think this new ministering concept really is what the women have been doing all along, or at least for some time now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the men have continually been constrained, and I, I say that with the fondest of feelings, to the sit on the couch, if you're gonna count it as an official visit, so to speak, mm-hmm. where the women could do the phone calls and drop the letters and give a hug and all of that counted. Mm-hmm. I think the powers that be Lake said, hey, that's kind of what love is. Let's send the men down that path. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, honest true, Megan, I think it's, it's excellent. Honestly, the, the, the most awkward thing of the change is the, the name, the title. Mm-hmm. Maybe because we're all so used to visiting teacher and home teacher mm-hmm. that it say, who's your ministering sister? <laughs> Megan, who are your ministering sisters? <laughs> It doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? Mm, no, it doesn't. That was a bit pretentious. Yeah. Hi, I'm your minister brother. It it sounds uh, it sounds a little Catholic to me. I don't know why. I don't know very many Catholics, no, but it I... seems Catholic to me. <laughs> yes, yes. Perhaps because we have a lifetime of that vernacular, mm-hmm. uh, we're not used to anything else. Right. Um, I remember uh, how firm a foundation used to end, you who unto Jesus for refuge have fled or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they changed, this, you know, sort of got tired of us saying you who to Jesus all the time. You who Jesus. <laughs> then five years later, I kept wanting to say you who Jesus instead of or unto the Savior, whatever it is now. Yeah. So maybe in 10 years, the fact that I'm your ministering brother will. <laughs> Not raise any eyebrows. Right. But within, inside, the, inside the faith, we'll make it work. Outside yeah. the faith, I don't think I could ever say to a non-member friend that I'm a ministering brother to anybody. Right. They would look at me like, you're what? You're a minister? Yes. Well, yes, we're all ministers, aren't we? Well, you're paid? No, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, it will be slightly awkward, but we'll figure it out. So... Maybe they'll test it out for a year and say, mm, not not working with that name, so we'll change it again, you know? I agree. Well, if you go back a few years, a few more years, we had those 
phases where we didn't call ourselves Mormons. Mm-hmm. And then we were okay to call ourselves Mormons, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, titles come and go, like you said. Titles come and go. Yeah. But the bigger picture is, I, I agree, this was a, a, a wonderful change. Those who did not visit teach still won't visit teach or minister. Those who never liked the home teach still won't minister. Mm-hmm. Tigers don't change their stripes, sadly. Mm-hmm. But what it does do is it for those of us who were never comfortable sitting on a couch, mm-hmm. reading out of an ensign, are now freed of the guilt of not doing that. Mm-hmm. And those of us who are on the receiving end, who mm-hmm. wanted visiting at home teachers, but dang it, I don't need you sitting on my couch. Mm-hmm. That's not what my family needs. Mm-hmm. We need something else. Now we are liberated to, to say that. You know, in my day, I, I've, I've had the pressure on both ends. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had home teachers where I've said, you know, we really just don't need lessons. What we need is friends or do some, let's do something different. And, and it was just, not that they would shake, but it was like that. It's like, oh, but I got to do the lesson or it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. I think that's where Elder Holland was coming from. Yeah. We're tired of tracking those with statistics. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the icing on the cake is the interview. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. No more, how did you see them, how often or when. It was mm-hmm. face-to-face, tell me about them. Mm-hmm. You know, the losers of this whole thing are the Relief Society presidencies and the Elders Quorum presidencies. Yes. Because <laughs> their calendar is just about filled with tons and tons of interviews. <laughs> That's what our Relief Society president said. That was the first thing she said to me. She's like, I was thinking, and how am I going to get anything else done now that I have to do all these interviews? <laughs> like, yes. It's going to yes. be a ton. Yes. But it's just like, I... I don't know. This is where I'm like, I understand the face to face, but look at we're face to face in this interview. I'm like, use the technology people. I know in person is the best. I get so caught up once again in that it has to be in person in order for it to count. I think that there's so many different ways. Like I think maybe if you shoot for once a year in person, we're, we're going to be good. But I also think we have the technology. Let's use it. I don't know. That's my. We'll see how. Yes, we'll see how that shakes out, won't we? Yeah, and uh, you know, I have to say that I actually think it will help people who weren't doing home teaching and visiting teaching because it's no longer a matter of like checking a box in a lot of ways. It's more like, are you doing what you're supposed, like what you covenant to do to be a disciple, like. Are you right. helping people? Like, and why aren't you? Yes. Like, it's not going to be like, oh, I don't do it like doing the lesson. And I don't like, you know, I don't like people coming over and sitting on my couch. It can't, it's not going to be that anymore. I think that the, a lot of the excuses, I mean, though, I know there will be new ones, but I think a lot right. of the excuses will go away because it's like, why can't you help people? Yeah. People yes. are going to play the, uh, I'm too busy card, which I think you should rip up and throw away because please find me somebody who's not busy. We all make the time to live the lives we're currently living. True. Yeah. How's that for a profound statement? That is very profound. You pay thousands of dollars listeners for that uh, (laughs) great insight, but here it's free. We're all 
living the lives we choose to live. So if we're doing that visiting and home teaching, because we choose to. And if we're not, it's because we choose to. We choose to be busy in other areas. Yeah, and I think that those interviews will really help resolve concerns that people have because like, I don't think we were using the visiting teaching supervisors and coordinators in the way that we should. Like I was like, we are not tapping into this resource that we have. Like if people aren't going visiting teaching, then they need to find out why those, and they need to be going out with people and they need to be active in these sisters' lives. But it was never run that way. Yeah. And also what was cool about this is now when I'm being interviewed, this new program affords me the opportunity to get to know the family better. Before I would do the couch thing. Mm-hmm. And I would sit on the couch and give a lesson. And, you know, you got five minutes before, five minutes after to kind of say, how's the family? Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the focus of my visit. You know, shame on me. And so when I did the PPI, the personal preacher interview on the guy side of things, and they say, well, how's the family doing? Well, I never really knew because I never really got there. Mm-hmm. I could just kind of look around the house. Well, the house was kind of clean. I know the dad's still employed. Uh well, the kids are still in the room, so I guess they're doing fine. Yeah. You know, they listened to the lesson, didn't they? Yeah, I think it's an opportunity for people to get more intimate in people's lives. And I think that that's what we yes. really need. Because I'm like, I don't want the superficial yes. stuff anymore. Cut the superficial stuff. Like, do you really care about me? Are you really there to help me? Do you really want to be my friend right. and do what needs to be done? I yeah. Yeah. You know, something else that was cool about conferences is an old marketing trick to keep your audience engaged is uh, they spread all these announcements out through all of the sessions. Mm -hmm. It used to be that you tune into that Sunday morning session first thing, because that's when all the big announcements came out from the Mm -hmm. prophet. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, the temples didn't come out till the end of Saturday. And, you know, the priesthood stuff didn't happen till the priesthood meeting, you know, and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. It was like, guys pretty smart there old president nelson <laughs> keep us tuned in because you know by middle of saturday afternoon i figured there were no temples being announced right oh so they would announce those long before now conference is over in 30 minutes and next thing you know mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nope, yes not over temples yeah now we're all bracing for the next six months like what's going to happen i'm like what other bombshells can he drop you know But I think it's exciting. I think it's what the church needed because I think President Monson was, you know, just so sick for so long that they were just kind of caring and and that's fine. I think that's what we needed at that point. But I think this was like a major statement by President Nelson, like, okay, like we're getting going, we're going to move and do stuff and we're changing stuff. And I bet all this was in the works well before he was called actually, but you know, it just was the time for it to come out. And, and I think I was just listening to his talk on revelation that he gave in that Sunday morning session. And I loved it because it just encapsulated everything that happened in that session. Like there was so much new revelation that came out and that they talked about. And then he's like, this is what can happen in your own life. You have the ability to have these big changes in your own life. I mean, he didn't say it quite like this, but that's basically what he was saying right. is like, you're privy to yeah. receive all this revelation for yourself on your own life and the path that it's supposed to take. And so I just thought that was cool. Yeah. So, you know, I'll say this with 
all the love possible. You know, President Nelson is 93 years old. He's in great, great, great health. But odds are he's not going to have a 10-year tenure like President Monson had or President Hinckley had. Mm -hmm. At least not 10 years of this type of health. So he, he probably says, okay, I got a shorter window, which is why he probably put Elder Oaks in as his first counselor. You need to see what's going on here because you may be taking over mm-hmm. you know, sooner rather than later. In this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's not going to let grass grow under his feet. We got, we're going to make some changes and we're going to push some stuff through here. And mm-hmm. I heard him say that he said to somebody like, well, we're not going to do this again for a long time when he got called to the, you know, he, I think he said it to another uh, member of the 12, like, we're not going to do this for a long time again. So I'm like, well, that's cool. I'm cool with that. So kind of fun. Well, Well, that's cool. I think they're all in pretty good health. Yeah. Um, Yeah, they are. Yeah. Well, the Ray for General Conference. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, listen, Meg, last time we were together, mm-hmm. we thought we had a pretty good chat about, you know, waiting on Heavenly Father, mm-hmm. waiting patiently on Heavenly Father, because he is prone to be what we call the fourth watch God. Mm-hmm. He's prone to answer our prayers later than we would all want him to answer them. Mm-hmm. He listens and he's there. But he's not just just because we say it five minutes later, going to make that stomach flu go away, Mm -hmm. you know, give you that promotion at work, let you know if Bob is the right guy for you. Um, Mm -hmm. He he tends to be slow Mm -hmm. in answering these prayers, Uh, not because we're sinners. And he's not slow because he's mad at us. And he's not slow because he's punishing us. And heaven forbid, Mormons, he's not slow because we're not worthy. And we all feel that when we don't get an answer to a prayer. I must not be worthy. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. He takes his time to give us the opportunity, the time to develop faith Mm -hmm. and love and compassion and empathy and other attributes that we've got to perfect if we're going to walk through those pearly gates. Mm -hmm. Those things harder to perfect if he gives us quick answers to prayers. Mm -hmm. So we covered all that last time. Right. And the teaser last time was, hey, is there ever an occasion for Heavenly Father to be the opposite, to be a first watch God, Mm -hmm. to come immediately to our rescue and not make us wait even one second? and there is, mm-hmm. you know, and I've studied this gospel up one side and down the other. And, uh, you know, every single trial or tribulation that we get in that's physical ends at death, or if not sooner, mm-hmm. but at least at death, it goes away. When we get our bodies back, they're perfect. Mm-hmm. So from our point of view, that trial lasts forever. But from God's point of view, when earth life is a nanosecond in the scheme of things, Mm -hmm. the physical trials are less than a nanosecond. Mm -hmm. Since he's promised us a great body when it's all said and done, maybe we're not so quick to want our physical trials to go away, given 
they give us opportunity to develop love, faith, and empathy, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Our emotional trials. Some of us are true victims of abuse. Some of us didn't deserve the heartache from a broken marriage, a failed relationship, loved ones that, that make decisions that hurt us deeply. Heavenly Father has said, all these experiences will be for thy good. God is magic wand and makes all of our experiences for our good mm -hmm. in the long run, not immediately, but in the long run. So once again, from if we take Heavenly Father's point of view, we may not be so inclined to wish our problems away because they're going to work out for our better. And I don't want to get rid of anything that works to my good up there. Mm -hmm. So what's the only thing that Joel can think of? that works to my bad up there, that works to my detriment up there, that harms me up there, mm -hmm. it's sin. Mm -hmm. It's specifically, it's unrepented sin, okay. unforgiven sin, because I didn't repent. And lo and behold, dear listener, that's the one area where God says, you don't have to wait on me. I will come immediately. When you repent, I am, you're immediately forgiven. There is zero waiting. Mm -hmm. And not only are you forgiven, but I remember it no more. Mm -hmm. And not only are you immediately forgiven and God remembers it no more, but he washes our souls as if they were used to be crimson red. Now they're white as the driven snow. Mm -hmm. A cleansing process through and through with no loopholes. Mm -hmm. As long as we repent. Mm-hmm. So interesting how God set up this whole plan where he's slower than molasses, drives us all nuts in answering all the prayers and all the trials and tribulations that work to our benefit in the long run. Mm -hmm. And in the one area that can really kill us in the long run is immediately there to rescue us from it. If we repent, mm -hmm. it is a perfect plan. Mm -hmm. huh. <laughs> Who, knew? <laughs> Who, Who knew? knew? Who knew he could be that amazing? <laughs> Just have it all figured Let's out. Bingo. <laughs> he had it all figured out from the start. Well, you without know, any input from you and me. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that that's really interesting that you bring that up, right? Because sin is really the only thing that is not good for us. Now, Correct. like we can learn from our sins, right? And I think there's a lot. Yes. We repent, and then there are still consequences from the sin that we will learn from, right? So yes, to help us not repeat the sin, hopefully. Yeah, but the sin itself, there's no benefit to having sin in our life at all. Zero in that Agreed. sense. Agreed, agree. And so- and the Savior is the classic example of that. Yeah, and so that's why he, he, he takes he it away when we, when we repent, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness. Thank yeah. goodness. Because you never know when you're going to die. So don't procrastinate the day of your repentance. Because mm -hmm. let's not die with unrepented sin to carry with us up there. Because that does us damage up there. That stops us up there. It's the only thing that does. Okay. So I'm going to throw a question at you that is not, we haven't like talked about. So here you go. So this is a question I always have because I haven't ever committed like some huge grievous sin in my life. You know, like I wasn't 
promiscuous. Sure. I haven't gone and drank. Right. I haven't killed anybody. I right, haven't right, right. done any of that. Yeah. So I know that right. I do small things that are not good. Like I have bad like thoughts about people or I get angry sure. or I get upset. Judge others. Yeah, yes. Whatever. So how do you know that you've repented of those things? This is a question I, I always have because I'm like, I, I think I think almost to some extent, and I'm not condoning people to go out and do horrible, bad things. <laughs> like, that's not what I'm saying. I don't know. But that when people do things that are bigger and they have to really go through this repentance process and what that's like, I think they gain so much knowledge in that. And if they do it in the right spirit, in the right way, it's like you said, will totally benefit them in the long run. Right. But like, what do you say to people who are like, I don't really know what I did wrong. Like, what do I need to repent of? I mean, I'm mortal. So I guess I have to repent just from the fact that I'm mortal and that I'm imperfect every day. But how do I know that I'm forgiven? Boy, that's the $64 question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's a question that a number of bishops have said to me over the years. Boy, people come into my office and they say, I just don't know that I'm forgiven. Mm-hmm. I never feel words or even a feeling you are forgiven well done my good and faithful servant they're looking for some burning bush mm-hmm. like that I, i've come to a rationalization that i will be glad to share with you megan okay. and you can feel free to push it right back at my face okay. which is this um anytime i feel bad And that bad feeling is accompanied with the word, but I really haven't repented. Yeah, spouse, I feel really bad that I gave you the silent treatment all day, but you really hacked me off this morning. Mm -hmm. Well, I really do feel bad that I gave her the silent treatment, but that's not sincere repentance. That's qualified Mm -hmm. shame. you know, if I, I if I was truly a repentant soul, I would say, oh, you know, spouse, I'm sorry for giving you the silent treatment. That's no way to behave in a marriage. Yes, you hacked me off, but that's no excuse for my behavior in return. They're two separate issues. Let's let's deal with them. Let's deal with the hacking off stuff as adults without the silent treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, Junior, I'm really sorry I snapped at you, but you shouldn't roll your eyes at your mother. Well, Junior should not roll his eyes at mom, mm-hmm. but I shouldn't qualify my apology to Junior with, well, if you hadn't done what you did, you wouldn't have gotten snapped at. Mm-hmm. That's not real repentance. So my point, Megan, is when I feel bad because I was wrong without any qualifiers, even if the other person was wrong to me, that doesn't justify my wrongness back. Two wrongs do not make a right. Mm-hmm. Who knew? Um, then I feel if I feel guilty about it, I feel bad about it, and I don't want to do it again, that is a repentant soul, and I can move on. Because now I'm trying to change. Mm-hmm. As before with the word but, I'm really not trying to change. I'm just trying to say the other person, if you don't behave that your way, you won't get the same reaction from me. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to change. I'm trying to make them change. That's not repentance. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? 
Totally. And let me tell you why it makes sense. (laughs) Because in my coaching, one thing that I teach a lot to people is the difference between emotional childhood and emotional adulthood. An emotional childhood is when we like to think that one of two things, either that we are responsible for other people's emotions and feelings, or that other people are responsible for the way that we feel and the way that we act. So that's emotional childhood. Like if you look at children, they naturally kind of do this to some extent. Like, oh, he hit me and that is not fair. Like my kids do that all the time. Like he's making me feel sad. I have one child that I'm really trying to work with and say, but it doesn't really matter what he says to you because you're choosing to feel that way. Like he can act however he wants. Right. Right. But the thing is, is that when we are children that's an acceptable behavior because we don't have the understanding of that we are separate and we can't control those things we have this um idea that we can't control them but what happens a lot of times is that as we mature into adults there's nobody that really says okay now by the way you're in charge of your emotions and you're not in charge of anybody else's and so you need to make that clear distinction like because we know I know several adults, and at times in my own life, I'm this way, where I revert back to um, emotional childhood, where I am like, you hurt my feelings, you made me feel this way, what you did was wrong, and really what we want to get to is, I'm in charge of my feelings, and you're in charge of your feelings. So I often say to my clients, take back the emotional remote for your feelings, (laughs) Don't give it to somebody else to be like, I want to feel angry. I want to feel happy now. And wait, you're not making me feel happy. I'm like, it's not their job. Just like it's not their job to make you feel angry or make you feel special or make you feel any of those things. That's your job. And I want you to hand back all the emotional remotes to everybody else. Like, you're not in charge of how your kids feel. You're not in charge of how your spouse feels. You're not in charge of how the sister that you visit teach feel or minister to (laughs) feels. You're not in charge of anything you know you're not in charge of anybody else's emotions and that is kind of a really big foreign concept to people but once we realize that it is liberating liberating because we let people be who they are and we're like i'm gonna love you however you decide to show up because that's my choice to love you and i can love you when you're angry and right. i can love you when you're annoying yeah. and i can love you when you're this way and i'm in charge of how i want to show up every time and you are never in charge of that and i think that that same principle goes into what you just said like you're gonna be like yeah i was mad and i chose to be mad and i don't think that that was right, right. so i'm sorry that's emotional adulthood yes totally yes 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 Yes. And I guess I've reached a place where I can go through life without Heavenly Father whispering every time, you've repented, you're forgiven of this one. I, I'm okay looking him in the eye and saying, do it right. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's too late now. But I, I took ownership. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I really, I knew in my heart, I tried not to do it again. Because right. I certainly would be able to look in the eye and say, hey, I knew in my heart I wanted to do it again. I held a grudge. I got that down pat cold, mm-hmm. <laughs> sadly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess to all the listeners, all of us probably have that same question. How do you know when you're forgiven? 
Well, I can't say, because I can't say how Holy Father talks to you, but I can say if you take ownership of your sin Mm -hmm. and you truly feel genuinely bad about it, Mm-hmm. That's Christ-like sorrow. Mm-hmm. And what more, can, what more can Christ ask? You have Christ-like sorrow. You can't do anything more than that. Yeah, Change. I, yeah, I think you need to qualify what it means to feel bad. Because I think a lot of times we think, well, if I'm going to feel badly about it, that means I have to be depressed. I have to be upset about it. I have to think less of myself. And I'm like, that's not what godly sorrow is to me. No. To me, it's no. that you feel badly because you're not living up to your potential of who yes. you could be. That's yes. godly sorrow. Yes. Right? There's a difference between, yes, beating yourself up and shame. Yes. And I use the word shame. It's a good word. I feel shame because I didn't live up to my potential. Mm-hmm. I'm ashamed of myself. Yes, but not shame in the sense that I am less than, I am less were like worthy like right. in terms of my worth is less like i loved what right. joy joy d jones said in her talk last conference where she's like she was dif- she was differentiating this the difference between worth and worthiness and she says you are never oh. you can be less worthy but you will never be worth less like, I like that. Because we like to equate that if I'm not living Work. up to all of the standards and if I'm not perfect and if I'm not, you know, no. Miss Molly Mormon, then I am less worthy in the sense I have less worth from my Heavenly Father. And I'm like, no, you come to earth with your worth set. Like, you can't do anything about it. Like, yeah. as much as you may try, he's like, sorry, you're still amazing. You're like a child of mine. Everybody's equal. Yeah. And end of story you're the one that is is you know fluctuating with that but he's like yeah no i i don't have any problem you're still the same person you're still worthy of my love you're worth everything that you were when you came to earth yes it's just that you are deciding to maybe not live up to that potential and that's your choice it's not heavenly father doesn't ever change that megan i'm so glad i have you join me on my podcast to share this wisdom (laughs) with my listeners. Thank you. That is a great way to end this conversation. I will not try to one up you. Okay. I will not top that. We are done. That is beautiful. Thank you. The end. Yes. Thank you. Okay, great. So on your podcast next week, next month, Joel, what are we going to talk about? (laughs) It is time for another movie review. Oh, I'm super excited about this. I hope it's not one of those. So, uh, yeah, emotionally draining on me, but I'm, I'm sure it will be. <laughs> well, this is an emotionally draining movie. I will tell you what movie that you need to go see. Okay. It's in theaters and speak. Oh. We are going to review A Quiet Place. Oh, no, Joel. I was watching oh, like... Yes. Oh, okay. oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm going to have to, like, brace myself for that. I knew you were going to say it once you said it was in theaters. Yes. Now, I will not give any spoilers on this broadcast, but we will be have 100 spoilers when we talk next time. Okay. So if you want to tune in to that podcast, we'll announce this next time as well. Okay. You must have watched A Quiet Place. Okay. Is there anything... 
specific that you can tell us that we should be looking for that isn't going to give anything away? Um, it's a movie about families. That's not a spoiler alert. Mm -hmm. It's a movie about families. So watch the movie. Enjoy what it tells us about family. Okay. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about family. Okay. As uh, it's codified through a quiet place. Okay. Greg will be excited to go see that. So. <laughs> oh, actually, yeah. It's all the rage, man. It's like the movie right now. You know, who actually wants to see it is Ellie. So maybe I'll go see it with her. I don't know. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Did you see the movie A Sixth Sense? Yes, I did. Okay. All right. It's, it's more like that. It's not like Friday the 13th, if, yeah. if you don't know anything yourself into. It's not gore. It's not slasher. Yeah. It's Suspense. more the line of The Sixth Sense. Yes. Suspense. Mm -hmm. You always come up with the right word, Meg. Yeah, you know, All I right, have to tell so you, with The Sixth Sense, I saw that movie in college, and my parents were in town visiting, and they dropped me off after we saw it in at my apartment, and nobody was home. Nobody. Like, my five roommates, everybody was gone. I'm like, this is not the time I want to be home by myself. <laughs> no, 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 no. I watched The Sixth Sense in a theater with my wife to the left and some strange woman, the theater was packed, mm -hmm. to my right. And I held hands with both women <laughs> through the whole <laughs> That is an awesome story. Okay. Well, yes. Good to know. So if I grab the guy next to me when I watch The Quiet Place, I'll know I'm in good it's company. Allowed. It's allowed. It's allowed. It's okay. allowed. All right. Well, thank you, Joel. We look forward to next month when we will talk about that movie. And I might have a heart attack, but it's okay. <laughs> Thanks for being here okay, today. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for joining us once again for A Cup of Joel. I just love Joel and all of his insights. And I am appreciative for him for coming on once a month and being able to chat with me about various subjects. He's just a great guy. So I hope you enjoyed this month's episode. And I hope you all have the courage to go see A Quiet Place because I am still uh, gearing up to go watch that movie. But I will do it for the sake of the podcast. So have a great Sabbath, everybody. I hope you enjoy a great month between now and the next time that we talk on a cup of joel and i hope you come back tomorrow where we kick off the month of may where we will be talking about motherhood i'm super excited and i hope you all have a just fantastic week we'll see you then bye bye <laughs>